When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is still an underrated position of need for the Tennessee Titans? Welcome to the Tennessee Power Hour and Outkick 360. PK will be back in just a moment as he's on the phone right now with Mike Vrabel. We didn't kick him off the show, we promise. I know that's going to be a popular opinion. (laughs) We haven't done that yet. There's a long pause and then yet. Props to Lance Lee and Jacob Swanson for making the show happen. Emma Oatstein. David Reed is the chairman of the board as well. Maybe you saw during the break uh, the uh, midday, or not the midday, used to be midday uh, Masters, Outkick 360 Masters. And Chad, it is back for the second annual event, which will take place Thursday, June the 10th. And that's why we have the Masters shirt and we have the green jacket, which will be awarded to our 360 Masters champion. Uh, tickets on sale tomorrow for your teams and the Top Golf Bay. You pay for a bay, you get six players, and it all benefits charity, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Tennessee. Uh, if you're in the area, if you want to have a good night on Thursday, June 10th, we hope you'll certainly do that. Tennessee Power Hour, if you're listening in Knoxville, we appreciate that uh, for Fox Sports Knoxville. Chad, let's start with the Titans and an underrated uh, position of need in the draft, um, which shouldn't be. It's pass rush, because if you think of Bud Dupree, who's coming off an ACL injury, Harold Landry, who needs Bud Dupree, they're, both sides need to step up in that area, and on the interior with Simmons and Autry, they don't have much depth beyond those guys. And with Dupree coming off the injury, um, I don't think he's Bud Dupree of what we saw in September, October, November of last year, albeit he is a massive upgrade over what they have. And without the opposite end pressure on the quarterback, Landry's just going to be Landry in theory. They've got to go address that. And they need not just some fourth or fifth round guy, some mm-hmm. development of guy, they will need a, a not just a depth player, but an impact type player that's going to rotate in and out more than a Derek Roberson, for instance. Isn't it funny that, that of all things, we're talking about being underrated need for the Titans. We're talking about pass rush right now because so much talk about corner, I think, that when we're looking at it and the well, Bud Dupree a, signing. But that's not wrong. I mean, right. corner is a huge need based on what they've done. But in the Dupree signing, you're right, hides the fact that they still that's lack what, a lot of depth. That's what masks the whole situation yeah. is that. Yep. You bring in Dupree and you think, oh, well, they've solved it. They have not, and uh, they need more than that. You know, a guy that I see popping up in that that mock draft first round occasionally is Christian Barmore from Alabama. Does Christian Barmore help with pass rush? Uh, I don't think that much, but there's different ways to rush the passer, right? The Titans have a need for edge guys who can win one-on-one and get to the quarterback. Uh, can Bud Dupree be that guy? He can. Will he? Coming off injury? Don't know. But I, I'm with you, Hutton. That, that is a need that has to be addressed, I think, in the first two rounds. No doubt. And it, it is 
it's the chicken or the egg. Do you go pass rush? Do you go defensive back? Which side raises the, the bar for the other? The answer is both. Uh, but the, the pass rush issue has, it's been a huge issue for the Titans in recent years. And it's one that I would value much higher in the draft this year. But there's not, there's not going to be the elite pass rusher at 22. I'm not saying you have to go get him in the first round. But at 53 in round number two or in round three, uh, as they get the, the compensatory pick, they need to go high in this draft to address that spot and not just overlook it and think the developmental players are already on the roster or in undrafted. It's not going to happen this year. Well, especially coming off of a year and an offseason where you went to the free agent market to address pass rush with Vic Beasley and Jadavion Clowney, and neither worked out for you. So now it's even more imperative you go get someone in the draft, not, not in free agency, to address that position. Vols in spring practice. The focus is on the quarterbacks, and Hendon Hooker seems to be the guy. Chad, you mentioned this out of the gate before spring practice even started. If we were putting the odds out for which guy was in contention to, to lead the charge there, it would be Hooker. But every pass that at least the media is able to watch is under high scrutiny right now, and it doesn't seem like anything's going to be determined anytime soon there. Well, and I think that, you know, Harrison Bailey could be a very good quarterback, and I'm, I'm interested to see his progression under a new offense also. But I also feel like I know what Harrison Bailey is, having watched him a year ago. Can he improve? Absolutely. He was a true freshman thrown into a difficult spot. He can get a lot better. But watching Hendon Hooker at Virginia Tech, while he wasn't great, he offers a different layer to what Tennessee could do on offense at quarterback. Enough so, Hutton, that I'm intrigued to see what he could bring to a Josh Heupel offense. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's as accurate as Harrison Bailey. I think he's got an equally as good of an arm as Harrison Bailey, but he's got much better legs, and he can run, and, and Harrison Bailey really can't. So you combine all the different factors. I think in today's college football, you've got to be able to run at least a little bit. Um, I think that's, that's just a prereq, the way the game is going. You don't need to be a, you know, an option quarterback running all the time, but you've got to be able to run a little bit. For that reason, I really want to see Hendon Hooker in this offense, and I'm sort of rooting for him to win the job. It's not going to be Caden Salter. Uh, he's not even at practice yet with the, the legal issue. I saw Caden Salter was complaining on Twitter all day yesterday that Tennessee didn't offer him a happy birthday on social media. What? Which was very odd. He was a lot of tweets about that and saying, my own school won't even wish me a happy birthday, but other schools are wishing him a happy birthday, <laughs> to which Tennessee fans were responding and saying, that's an NCAA violation, bro. If other schools are wishing you a happy birthday, so you need to tell us which ones are. It very, very strange. He's off to a very bad start for me. I mean, I, I don't want to bury the guy having not Chad. taken a snap yet, but you get into an incident, even if you, the charges were dropped that early, and you're going online to bitch about not getting a happy birthday announcement <laughs> while you're not allowed to live in your dorm on campus, uh, that's, that's two strikes. That's two strikes for Caden Salter. One more, and uh, he's going to be suiting up for Tennessee Tech. In is, is it bad that I automatically think, man, this, this kid is entitled? Oh, he feels I, no, he's I, entitled I, if he's asking for a happy birthday shout-out. absolutely believe that. <laughs> like, if you're, if you're that upset about not getting a birthday shout-out that you take to social media, um, is that what you want your starting quarterback to possess? Is that the qualities that you want in the end? Look, I somewhat kid, but let's be honest. This is a position – where you need more 
you got to have more from your quarterback. You expect more from the quarterback. Caden Salter's not off to a great start in that department. I really want to see what Hendon Hooker has to offer. And I think Bailey's got a chance also. I'm not buying the Brian Maurer talk of him having a chance to be the starting quarterback. It's speaking of needing more from a quarterback, I'm going to need more from him in a lot of areas also that I just haven't seen yet. So it's going to be interesting to see what goes on uh, the remainder of spring practice, which right now we're, what, less than three weeks away from the Orange and White Tell game. me, help me with this with Maurer. Why the hesitation to say that the other quarterbacks, and I'm not saying you, but the last regime refused to take Maurer out of the running for the, for the battle to start games when we knew he, he was not at the caliber of even Garantano. Why the hesitation to say this is a two-quarterback race right now and instead of... I, I mean, you need bodies. Like you that, need bodies, but uh, th there's... Why the need to recruit him con constantly? It's not, look, it's less about recruiting him and more about this is the era of football we live in now. Unless you're Alabama and you can afford guys just leaving. I mean, and they, even Alabama don't want to afford that because now with the new rules coming into play, you can leave Alabama and go to LSU and start on, on day one if you're upset with the coaches. So there's going to be a lot more of re-recruitment of players I mean, and constant recruitment. And I think you look at Tennessee's quarterback situation. Now, if Caden Salter were there and playing great in practice, but the you might be less inclined to say, you know, Maurer's got a chance to start if you know Salter's going to be a part of your program, which, quite frankly, I don't know that Tennessee knows that right now with the start he's off to. Yeah, but if you got down to it, like I I'm saying, if, if it's a four-quarterback room, Salter's my third, and I'm wishing him a happy birthday if I have to go to him. I know, but how confident are you that it's going to be a four-quarterback room with Salter? That's why I give the Tennessee coaches a pass because they haven't even seen the guy practice yet because he got arrested before camp started. Now the charges have been dropped. Again, I want to be fair to the kid, but now he's going on a Sunday, Easter Sunday rant about not getting a happy birthday message on Easter Sunday from his school. So I just don't. If you're Tennessee, like you got to be sitting there thinking, we need to give the impression that all of these quarterbacks have a chance, even if they don't, and we know they don't, because we need all these guys to stick around through fall camp, and we need them to be a part of this team come August. I just, I wish we had some sort of transparency is the wrong word. I, I, I want more honesty in this quarterback battle. I wish Tennessee was in a position as a program to say GTFO. I know. Two guys and who I, suck. And I'm but not, they I'm simply not. don't. They got guys abusing cats yeah. on the roster that Literally. haven't been kicked off yet. And that's a weird story uh, that we can get into. But essentially, Aaron Beasley, who's a middle linebacker, has been accused of uh, abusing his girlfriend's roommate's cat and giving it brain damage uh, by the Knoxville Police Department, which is now a big story in Knoxville. But Tennessee's just not in a place oh. where they're going to just immediately say, get out of here, because they want to field a football team this fall that may be fun to watch know, at some point. And, and I know the tempo is going to be different, and, and that's what they're stressing. I'm, I'm just, I, I got so tired, and, and, and I know Tennessee fans feel the same way, of the, the previous offensive coaches, um, and, and Pruitt for that matter, after practices this time of year and in the fall, you know, the quarterback battle, those guys are really doing well. And they could rattle off one through four, all the things that everyone's doing. Just they're just great practice for Garantano and just wonderful practice player. I do an eye roll when I hear that now because Heupel's doing the same thing out of the gate. 
where he's like, you know, we're working on tempo and mechanics, but these guys are doing great. And I, I just don't buy it. And when I see Maurer's name listed as a candidate, I'm thinking, get out of here with that. Like, why should we believe that? But, but the, uh, the, the Davis kid, the redshirt sophomore on the offensive line, who's getting first-team reps. Dane whenever, Davis, yeah. Like, there's some substance there. Like, I, yeah, and, they, and he's also 6'7", 325. But, but my point is, you see the redshirt sophomore getting reps. I don't hear I, and, and I don't see Maurer doing the same type thing years back, and I'm not buying it now that he should be included in all this. If you get to Maurer on your season, we, we saw what happens when you get to Maurer in your season. It yeah. just happened. Yeah, he did not. <laughs> New coaches here. He came in the, uh, was it the Arkansas game, and looked dazed oh, on the field. Looked really bad. Look, it's, it is a sad state of affairs of where Tennessee is right now. I do think there is more talent on the roster than maybe a lot of people think. The Vegas over-under right now for Tennessee, seven and a half wins. Ole Miss is a seven coming into this season. Show bet? Which is crazy. I'm going under uh, if, I'm, if I'm betting the show bet. I think six and six would be a really good season for Tennessee. And I think great. they've got a good chance of getting there. But seven and a half is the over-under. I was shocked to see that. But Tennessee's just not in a place, and I don't think they're going to be for a while, where they can just loosey-goosey go to the media and say this guy sucks and he's not right. cutting his weight without that guy just saying, you know what, I, I don't need this. I'm, I'm going somewhere else where I can play immediately or I'm going somewhere, somewhere else that's had more success. Tennessee Power Hour, the Nashville Predators, they are in Detroit tomorrow. Uh, David Reed waving his, his, his gold towel right now. Uh, they are in Detroit tomorrow and then Thursday. And looking ahead to the schedule, by the way, Detroit's in dead last. They're terrible. The, the Preds right now in the final playoff spot up by two, uh, two points. Uh, these, these are games they need to win outright. Um, got to beat the bad teams. Get, yeah, and then you've got Tampa, Detroit, Tampa after that as, as part of the schedule. Two points ahead of Chicago right now uh, with the Stars, Columbus, and the Red Wings bringing up the rear. Um, Tolvanen has been excellent as of late. Goaltending continues to be great. Um, Preds in the playoff push and two games that they better win this week if you look ahead and start counting points and the teams they're up against with like the likes of Chicago and Dallas. What is success at this point for the Preds playoffs. this season? Just playoffs? Yeah. Playoffs, you get swept. Doesn't no matter. problem. Just get there. For where they were and how not Chad, not just where they were in those standings, but how they were playing. I mean, they were dead in the water. And to catch fire the way they have, uh, to and and to to do it through some some of their critical players that we would have circled as uh, guys that need to have a close to consistent type career year uh, combined, for those guys being injured, and the way they've been playing, uh, this is huge for it, the management and the decision makers of the organization that we were. Uh, everyone's calling for Poyle's retirement. And John Hines was deemed worse than Peter Laviola. He was being compared to Ken Wisenhunt. Uh, to go from that to now postseason, that's a huge step forward. Well, I think you're right. That would be success for this season. I guess my follow-up question would be, should that be success for where the Preds are right now? No. As a franchise? No. Because we talked about that window opening when they made that initial run to the Stanley Cup final in losing to Pittsburgh in that series. That window should still be open but it doesn't feel open right now in terms of championship potential. 
But well, we said the same thing a few years back, you know, as the as the eight seed and the the, the, the run that they that they went on. PK is about to rejoin the show uh, and get mic'd up again. So as we do that, um, we'll be back in just a few minutes. We'll get the latest from Mike Vrabel's uh, press availability. First time that he's talked since the end of the year, Paul, since the end of year assessment. So we'll get the very latest from PK on Vrabel next on Outkick 360. Kick 360 rolls on in the Tennessee Power Hour. We've heard from Mike Vrabel. Um, and the first availability since the end of the season, since coaching hires were made, uh, as they begin draft preparations, we've heard from Robinson about uh, a month or so ago. Now we hear from the head coach. Vrabel did uh, one around the time of Robinson's thing with fans. So he did that in lieu of with uh, with media and media were invited to listen to that. Some would argue that some of the media are fans. Yeah, yeah. So what's the difference? Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what this media group has become. Yeah. So why not? And, and it was very soft. You can have Charlie yeah. from Bellevue yeah. in, or you can have someone from some fan website go on there or fan radio stations. What the hell? Let's have them all be fans. I, and it was very, I didn't go into that that night, but it was very soft pedaled as you would, yeah. uh, would expect. And there were a few. Yeah, Paul may out. be the last non fan in media. This is great. Yeah. Pride myself on being in that How did it go? small group. How did it go? Uh, you know, we had some of the attitude it usually had. enemy's I, list is growing. I, I, pressed, <laughs> I pressed him on the, People uh, you know. People to kill. Are you, con- are you confident, <laughs> are you confident in, in, in how you're assessing guys loving ball now, considering that Isaiah Wilson and Vic Beasley very clearly didn't love ball, and you pride yourselves on it seems like it should be an easy identifier. Hey, he so, made fun hey. of the length of the question and then kind of pooped. And you know it. what? I'm and sure I a lot of people in that hard. building are pissed off that you asked that. It is a fair question based on the mantra that they walk around and they post on their walls and how embarrassing it was to watch some of these players come through that building last year. I have to reassess the answer, but it was basically like, yeah, they, yeah, they love ball. Uh, so, well, the proof is in, in the pudding on that. Uh, he was Kudos pressed for asking that question. Yes, they love ball. He, he was pressed. <laughs> Thank by, you. By the way, Bud Dupree loves ball. Yes. Yeah. You can hear, like, to me, it's not hard to figure out if a guy is passionate about the sport of football. Well, it was it was difficult with Isaiah Wilson's and Kevin Dodd. You know, it, like, and the hearty <laughs> laugh. No, I I agree. That that's why the it's a fair question. But but when you when you hear and you certainly talked with him, when you hear Bud Dupree. Yeah, discuss the sport. Hear fire. This guy it. loves it, and he has a track record of doing just that. Yeah, I think it's a little easier too with a guy whose film matches up to loving ball, uh, yeah. You yeah. Know, than it is with some of the college guys. Though you know, you have questions about free agents that aren't top of the line guys like like Bud Dupree. He was clearly. I, I was a little late onto there after our debate or the high intensity segment. Um, but he was clearly asked about Shane Bowen and about the coordinators and was already tired of defending himself on that. But then he took a, a, a follow-up question about how seriously he considered and talked to people outside the franchise. Because the only coaching addition was an assistant defensive line coach from Vanderbilt. Uh, and I was critical of him, and I think a lot of us were, about not adding a significant voice to the coaching staff from the outside. Um, he said, you know, very seriously considered people from outside the organization. You want to hear other perspectives, other ideas. Uh, you know, he had said something about loyalty in the initial answer that I missed. He wanted to clarify that. 
He said he asks his people to be loyal to the program, to the organization, to players. He, he has problems, he said, with, with coaches. You know, there are a lot of guys in the league, and I get this. We're always looking for the next move, and we've known coaches like sure. this, you know, who come in, and they're already on the phone with other friends around the league, you know, about a move to the next spot. They could help them make the move to the next spot, who ultimately want to be a coordinator and get to head coach. And mm -hmm. So I can understand Mike Vrabel being reluctant about those guys, not in the Mike Malarkey way where he said, I've got guys with no aspirations. This is terrific. These guys all want to be here and never go on to anything else. But Vrabel's got a sensibility where he wants guys who were dedicated first and foremost to doing a kick-ass job for the Tennessee Titans. But he said he did interview quite a few people. Um, and he brought in some outside coaches outside. last year. Pep Hamilton Haslett was, was one, one of those guys. I think, he, I think he talked to Pep Hamilton not about the coordinator job. I think he talked to Pep Hamilton about the tight end job, mm. quite frankly. Uh, and I think Pep Hamilton, I can't remember where he landed, but he got something better than a, than a tight end job. Um, so this is refreshing to hear that he talked to them. I still think, you know, one of these outside voices would have been good as an inside voice, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, that he didn't have them. Uh, still hates the defensive coordinator question about uh, Shane Bowen and, and uh, rebuffed, uh, you know, I mean, you can hate these question. questions. These are fair questions. Oh, that's a fair question. I'm, I mean, look, I get it. I don't it. think if he was I'm, questioning that they were If I'm Mike Vrabel, I hate that question too because my defense sucked. When, when Dean Pease wasn't the defensive coordinator. And it, and it grates at you to hear it over and over, but you got to come up with a better answer at some point than just brushing it off and being annoyed. You also have a little like of that. Come up with a standard answer you, if you that's what you need to You can't be annoyed getting that question on April 5th when you haven't answered that question yet. <laughs> so, you know, if you want to get that question over with and say, I've addressed Shane Bowen as defensive coordinator, well, address Shane Bowen as defensive coordinator when you hire him as defensive coordinator, and then you can say, I've put that to bed. If you haven't talked about it till April 5th, then you've got to deal with it. If we're making it. a and list so of things that have happened since we last heard from him, that's, that's the on the list. Thing. That's yeah. the number well, one yeah. thing is, in terms of a negative. fine if the Titans are winning division titles and, and they're playing the way they have under Mike Vrabel. And I think Mike Vrabel's done a hell of a job as the head coach. So this attitude on questions is all going to play out just fine with your fan base. You know, you got an edge, attitude, rah, rah, love coach doing this and sticking up for what he believes and all that, it is great. Mike Munchak was a guy that everybody liked throughout, right? Respected, liked, and he probably got the benefit of the doubt at times because of that. My only point with this, with Mike Vrabel, is this is going to sound a lot different to Titans fans when they're 4-12. and 12. Not saying that day's coming yeah. up soon, but if you continue, which he will, because this is who he is, with this attitude to these questions, all the defense that he's getting right now is going to go away quickly when they're not performing up to their standards. I, I will say this about the coaching staff. And, I, look, I'm on the record, and I've said it with you guys. I wrote it very harshly when they announced, you know, particularly the defensive staff I, I took issue with. Um, but not as much as the players. And you guys, you know, on our old show, I said consistently, number one issue with the defense for me last year was the personnel. They did not have good enough personnel. You know, and I think too many people went straight to Bowen, straight past the position coaches, who I don't think did a great job. Personal development in a player comes first from the coach who's hands-on with that guy every day, which is the position coach. So I don't think there was enough talk about Anthony Midget with the corners or Jim Hazlitt with Rashawn Evans not, you know, back, moving backwards and all of those things. I do think, and I'm curious if you guys... Agree. We know Vrabel's stubborn and set in his ways and all of those things.
There's a long period of time there as they're getting into draft and free agency where they're also doing a self-assessment, right? And, and some of the comments Vrabel made at the end of the season indicated, you know, that, hey, we're going to reevaluate things from a personnel standpoint and from a coaching standpoint. Now, I think he's a smart guy who's too stubborn and setting his ways on some things. I'll be surprised if they have not really delved into what they did what they didn't do, what they need to do development-wise, what they need to do scheme-wise, and if they don't come out and do better with the coaches that they have. He's got faith in this group, clearly. He's going to expect better results from that staff and from himself. Now, I know as a defensive coordinator in Houston, which was a very small sample size, it was not good. And last year when his thumbprints were on the defense a lot more, though Shane Bowen was ultimately making the calls and had those duties. It was not good. He's a pri prideful guy, right? Uh, and I think surely he cast some of the blame on the personnel and on John Robinson privately. But I will be surprised if, and I'm not saying it's going to work, but if he has not changed some things to a noticeable degree when we next see that defense well, on the field. You, Besides you can, personnel. You can point and, and discuss, Paul, the assistant coaches staff, right? The coaching staff. That's fine for one year. But as the head coach who has final say over your staff, if you bring those guys back after a poor performance, it is now on you. Agreed. And, and the personnel has been improved. It needs to continue to be improved. Yeah. But your four, front four and nickel we've talked about. You've got Autry with Simmons. You've got Dupree with Landry. That's substantially better yep. than anything they put on the field last year. Secondary still needs to be developed, but Jenkins, I think, is a, a, an yeah. encouraging guy. I think we agree. Hooker over Vaccaro. Now you're younger and you have some more uh, verve. Vaccaro is starting to, to fade. Hooker's coming on. There's potential there for the defense. Personnel-wise, the defense has gotten better. And with the, if you draft successfully, it will get better. Then maybe you get another free agent or two somewhere in the mix. Right. The personnel is better is going to be better. Is the coaching going to be better? Is the play calling on defense going to be better? If the third down defense isn't substantially better, then all of it is up for serious I mean, Coaches review. can improve just like players. Yeah. So, you know, Shane Bowen could improve. I mean, that's... that's Second year for some of these guys. That's, Midget, yeah, that's within the Hazlitt. realm of possibility. But you brought up the assistant Booker. coaches and the position coaches, Paul. And I, I would agree that the biggest issue a year ago was, was personnel. But the fact that you didn't have a defensive coordinator that could elevate was also a big issue. Losing Dean Pease, big issue. Big drop-off. Second year for a lot of these guys. Booker with safeties, Midget with corners, Hazlitt with inside linebackers, Bowen as coordinator. Now he's been replaced with outside linebackers who have their own coach. Mm -hmm. Time for those guys to elevate the same way you're expecting Christian Fulton in his second year to elevate, the same way you're expecting Jeffrey Simmons in his third year to begin to penetrate with better guys around him on the front. All of that stuff needs to happen in concert. And again, Hutton, we're not asking for the number one defense. What do we want? you got to go from 29 to 15. Average. 15-16. You get to 15-16, the offense holds up its end of the bargain, you should be a football team that's in the mix in the AFC. Rise now, by do we expect spots. that? I, I don't know. I don't know if it's fair to expect that or not. There could be a huge drop-off for this team, given the schedule, 
given new coordinator on the offensive side of the ball, given you know unknowns at wide receiver after uh, given extra game, given drop off at receiver after AJ Brown, unproven guys, given the lack of Johnny Smith, a lot has changed. He emphasized, you know, a lot has changed for us. A lot has changed for a lot of people. That's that. that now that, that's a fair point. Uh, that's the way the league works, and it's working more that way this year because of the salary cap confines produced by the COVID year. And they still have. <laughs> we were we were praising roster continuity at this time last year, right? The Titans still lead that category on offense for sure uh, in the division. I mean, look at the quarterbacks across the division. Well, right Houston's now. massive turnover. Jacksonville's new coach, Matt, is coming both in. Matt, both Houston and Jacksonville, new coaches. So you've got massive turnover. Big quarter, a new quarterback in Jacksonville. Huge quarterback controversy in Houston. Turnover cornerback in Indianapolis, where they're very satisfied with their roster and just want to add some pieces. They had a lot of money to spend. They haven't spent it. Now, Ballard's a good roster builder. But the Titans, based on... Not as much based on what they've done, but based on the things that other teams haven't done, mm-hmm. still sit pretty pretty in the division, I think. A quick break, and then we're going to continue the Titans' discussion on uh, some other bullet points that Vrabel had to say in his press availability earlier today on Outkick 360. Tennessee Power Hour. I'll kick 360 in the Tennessee Power Hour, recapping Brable's press availability. Uh, Paul, the the battle on the offensive line. Kendall Lamb has been signed. Ty Sambrilo is back as a swing tackle, albeit they're saying he's in competition for Kendall Lamb's position. Yeah, so he was asked if Kendall Lamb, Brable was asked if Kendall Lamb is just plugged in. He says, no, we've got uh, Ty is back. We're happy to have Ty. Both those guys can play tackle on either side. Ty can kick inside, so that's yep. on the record that Ty has uh, got guard capability. And Lamb has kicked inside. All, it, it was years ago. So he but didn't he, mention that. So yeah, yeah, they yeah. see Lamb as a tackle. But it's interesting because Vrabel has said this before, though I can't think of specific incidents, where he set up a battle. But there has not been, in Vrabel's three years, a legitimate training camp battle on this team. What was the biggest? It was going to be Wilson and Kelly. Didn't come to fruition. What else? It was going to be Fulton, you know, it was going to be sorting out that nickel job last year. Didn't come to fruition because of injuries. But I don't know that they've set up a legitimate training camp battle in Vrabel's time here. So that was the question I was going to ask. I had the last question. He said, got to go. But I was going to ask, you know, do you envision legitimate training camp battles? Because you haven't had any. Uh, there's been no competition for starting spots. Well, what would now, they, we don't even know who's on the roster What would they yet. sell as a battle right now? Lamb Sombrilo would, okay. would, be, right. would be the primary one. Uh, you still don't know who who the, the rest of the receivers or the corners are to set it up. Yeah, who's who's going to battle Nick Westbrook-Akina for the starting role? Who's, who's going to battle Kevin Johnson for the slot corner is a big one That should one be no competition for me. Right, the, the newcomer should win. <laughs> But I think you could set that up as a legitimate yeah. battle because yeah. they're selling Kevin Johnson as Defensive the, line as is the set. slot corner. Defensive line is set, though, not the nose spot. So, Tier Tart should have some competition there. Who else plays nose on this team? Nobody we are, are going to, like, you know, background guys maybe, but they need somebody out of this draft or undrafted pool. We well, mentioned prior to the break, the roster continuity. There's not a lot of 
true roster battles that you point to right now, let alone two years ago, where we thought it was going to be on the offensive line. I don't know if you agree. I think it's Kendall Lamb at right I tackle. Do I don't think it's Tyson Brylow. Well, I mean, after we finish talking about how, you know, you don't necessarily sign people in order, they cut Dennis Kelly the next day. Well, mm. well they weren't signing Kendall Lamb in order. Um, you know, you weren't signing that guy at the very beginning out of depth because Dennis Kelly was quickly gone. And we, we're saying competition for starting roles. Let's clarify yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You always have competition yeah. for the for the you know smaller roles and things like that. Nickel and third receiver, we consider starting roles. We're mm -hmm. going 12 deep on both sides of the ball. Right now, outside of the positions that aren't filled, the extra corner, the extra wide receiver, you have to sort those things out. He was asked about Reynolds and uh, Westbrook. Our favorite guy, Reynolds, expect to have him, uh, excited to have him, opportunity to compete to play, versatile, can play inside, outside. Westbrook, you know, he's not giving away anything big here, but he said he's a very good blocker. Uh, he needs to continue to, as a special teamer, needs to continue to develop his route runner and how he functions in our offense. That hardly sounded like I think of him as a number two <laughs> receiver yeah. for what that's worth. Agreed. Uh, we will get into the 17th game impact for the Titans and the offseason that is, or the, the virtual offseason that we expect, and a, and a bigger discussion coming up tomorrow, but they are starting virtually next week, the 17th, is that right? 17th or the 19th. Okay. Yeah, and he doesn't know a lot. You know, starting virtually, they'll meet like they did before. Um, the thing is, when they have meetings again uh, on site, they'll be in the bubble. Because the Titans' ex uh, building expansion is ongoing, and a lot of that stuff's torn up inside and still under process. So even if they could return to normal, uh, old normal, uh, they can't because the, a lot of that building is gutted right now and being yeah. uh, rebuilt. So... Um, They'll be in the bubble. They have two weight rooms, their weight room and a secondary weight room that's in part of the bubble. So you can only have so many guys at a time in the weight room together. They have two separate weight rooms where they can do that numbers-wise. So it would have been an unconventional off-season for them anyway in terms of how they held meetings and how they worked out based on the uh, rebuilding of their facility and the addition to their facility. So it's actually not a bad thing for them if, if things turn out to still be dictated by COVID protocols. And the other thing is, uh, we should just mention, the NFL is not dictating, nor could it dictate, guys getting vaccinated. But I think this is the case in other sports, too. I think baseball's saying it. If guys are vaccinated, a certain percentage of guys, the protocols are eased. So, uh, you know, no matter how guys feel about vaccines, if a certain percentage of the team, I think 75%, gets vaccinated, a lot of this stuff that's been a huge pain in the butt last year for them all gets relaxed. So I don't know if there'd be some peer pressure or whatever. You would think they would be motivated enough to relax those restrictions to want to do it. I would think. You know, hey, you, the social distancing is relaxed. The mask are they, wearing is relaxed. Are they getting workout bonuses for staying at home? It's a good question. If the bonus money speaks volumes for some guys, so that that's why they'll do it. They'll get paid to show up for those workouts there if they're are, relaxed. I, I don't think they have too, too many guys with workout bonuses. They do those per game roster bonuses. 
but I think they've generally uh, steer clear of the workout bonuses and new contracts anyway, if I'm not mistaken. We'll get into the NFL draft for the Titans, and again, uh, moving forward, the, the off-season structure. That'll be coming up tomorrow. We're going to recap the national championship game tomorrow, Baylor and Gonzaga. The uh, line Gonzaga's. right now, four and a half, and the 40-to-1 offer from FanDuel.com slash OK360. You sign up as a new user. You can take Gonzaga or Baylor 40 to 1 to win outright. And that's a $5 bet. It'll pay you $200. You can sign up now. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Separate of that offer, I like Zags over 81 and a half. I think Chad's with me. You like it? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's our show bet. Even man. though Baylor is allowing a little over 60 points per game right now uh, in the tournament. The Zags score. We also love the OutKick VIP chats. I had a great one leading up to the Final Four tip-off uh, on Saturday. We are back we're, in literally minutes. We're going to be live uh, for all OutKick VIPs on Zoom. If you're looking for that link, you just go to the OutKick VIP section at OutKick.com. Click on, uh, click on the, the message board. Excuse me, the message board. Within there is a thread where it says Zoom Chat. You click that and you've got the link right there. It should also be in your email as well, but we're looking forward to sticking around for an extra 30 minutes or so. Should be a good one. Chatting with VIPs. Yeah, you can you can sign up, outkick.com slash VIP. We were talking about it. One thing that you have the opportunity to do here, and this is something I've done at, at my site in in at this level, it's kind of an advisory panel thing. So like yeah. we might ask you some questions about what can we maybe tinker with, and uh, your insight will be heard and uh, perhaps utilize it. So that's a big opportunity for you. Come talk with us. We'll also uh, explain some of the, the bigger events we have coming up. Uh, and for VIPs, how you can get the, the link a little early if you're interested in joining us, for instance, at Topgolf on June the 10th. Terrific uh, Shout out to Lance Lee for making the show happen. But then David Reed, the chairman of the board, who sat in Lance's chair. Didn't miss a beat. As Lance had to run How'd it feel meeting. over there, Dave? Warm. <laughs> it's very Lance warm. and Dave, I picture it's very both warm, warm here mm. at, uh, at Blackbird Studio. Uh, big shout out to Jakob Swanson, the bath basalt bandit. Uh, maybe the closest Reed has ever come to bath salts is literally right now, <laughs> sitting uh, next to Jacob Swanson. I picture Swanson. Dave as a soaker, but not a bath. Jacob's guy. dad watches the show. He's a bubble bath guy. <laughs> Jacob Swanson's dad watches the show and wants more PGA talk. I'm yeah. sure that he's also it's coming. Very oh. impressed with his son when we refer to him as the bath salt bubble bath sure thing you so had as proud. a kid. What's the bubble bath thing you had as a kid, Mr. Bubbles? Sure. Yeah, Mr. Bubbles. Was Dave, Mr. is that your thing, Mr. Bubbles? Yeah. It's his thing tonight. Yeah. He'll soak and watch the game. Reed loves an ice soak. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. I don't want to picture it. It's disturbing. Big uh, thanks to, to Emma Notstein as well. Emma. Uh, she's behind everything that we do on social media and all the great videos that you see after the show. Thanks to Emma and our great crew with OutKick. Uh, speaking of that, subscribe on our podcast channel. Subscribe on YouTube. Like and share on Facebook on Twitter. Thank you for all the, the social shares there. And, and again, available on podcast wherever you download your podcast. Just search out Outkick360. Thanks for joining us today. Back at it tomorrow to recap Gonzaga and Baylor. Enjoy the national title game. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks.